Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Prairie Home Companions Garrison Keeler, the avuncular satirist of Midwestern Puritanism, was canceled for lecherous advances on his female colleagues, but he did get off some great lines before his ignominious fall. This is one of his stories. A grandmother was walking the beach with her five-year-old grandson when suddenly a rogue wave crashed on the shore and carried him out into the surf. She fell to her knees, shaking her fist at the sky, pleading and imploring God to return the innocent boy from the jaws of death. Just then, another huge wave came roaring in and deposited the child back among the living and very much alive. His grandmother snatched him from the sand and clung to him, weeping and laughing. And then she held him back for a good look, tipped her head skyward once again, and said, this child was wearing a hat. <laughs> for many years, my now-retired colleague, Barbara Merritt, served our huge congregation in Worcester, Massachusetts, but regularly traveled to India to study with a spiritual teacher whose name I do not know. She told a story that has stayed with me as a kind of a koan, a riddle engaged in the practice of Zen to disrupt our love for logic and reason and provoke enlightenment right from the heart. Someone asked Barbara's teacher, what is the worst karma a person can suffer here on earth? What are the harshest, most grueling, most soul-searing circumstances? How would you answer? Is it the starvation of children? Unrelenting poverty, debilitating illness, living through a war? The terrible list of that which can befall us and fell us as we try to make our way on earth in a human body is seemingly endless. My mind goes white. Barbara's teacher responded, the worst karma is to be ungrateful. So now we have another koan. The worst karma is to be ungrateful. The teacher continued, if you suffer from ingratitude, then it won't matter what goodness, what blessings are in your life because you won't be capable of receiving them. And on the other hand, if you are grateful, then even in the most challenging circumstances, you'll be able to recognize the gifts you are receiving. I received this teaching as electrifying. 
The spiritual practice of gratitude is deep and wide, and it does take practice. First, we are called to remember to be grateful. And then, to remember to be grateful not just in easy times, but in hard times. Who among us has not suffered the bad karma of ingratitude? Barbara Merritt asked, who among us hasn't gotten lost and forgetful, perhaps on a daily basis? A banquet is laid out before us. Are we focusing on what isn't at the banquet table? When we are blessed with good health, nutritious food, and clean water, a home, meaningful work, the opportunity to serve, and books and film, music, art, culture, do they become mere background, unnoticed or never fully acknowledged or appreciated until they're missing? Have you ever had a toothache? Can you remember the moment that it was resolved? Our theme for Covenant Renewal this year is hashtag no matter what. When the Covenant Renewal team came up with that theme, we weren't thinking about gratitude. We were thinking about all the ways this beloved spiritual community has persevered through the global pandemic for more than two years. The ways we've learned to Zoom together and keep one another close, together while apart, no matter what. The ways we've sustained not only ourselves, but reached out and offered all kinds of help to others. The great heart of Arlington Street beating in the larger community and in the world, demonstrating extraordinary generosity, no matter what. And it strikes me now that our biggest no matter what is gratitude. Gratitude for the ways we have uplifted one another, helped and held and healed one another, asking not, why is this happening to me? But why is this happening for me? Gratitude, no matter what. What comes from gratitude, the true leap of spiritual evolution, is generosity. Generosity pouring out from our cup to fill someone else's. I have so many inspiring stories about generosity. I especially love the ones where a simple gesture sets off a long chain reaction of giving. And I'll tell you one of those in a moment. But first I'm going to tell you a story that I found so soul-searing that it literally changed the way I think about giving. It was my colleague, Reverend Greg Ward, who serves the Mission Peak Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Fremont, California, who, as we say in Buddhism, gave me the view on generosity. Here you go. The year was 1969. Greg, seven years old, left the kitchen table where he was sitting with his mother and older brother to go to his room and count his money. On top of his dresser was a glass piggy bank containing mostly pennies and a few nickels. 
but hidden at the bottom of his dresser drawer was a wooden treasure box. In it, there were dimes and quarters, a silver quarter he'd gotten, a silver dollar he'd gotten for Christmas, and two $1 bills. It had added up to just about $5. Young Greg stood over that small stash, fingering its contents, caught up in a powerful deliberation. It was not a financial deliberation. It was a spiritual deliberation. The conversation his mother had been having with him and his brother was about money, which was tight. Greg has forgotten the details. What he does remember, though, was that after his mother attempted to convey the seriousness of the situation, an uneasy silence fell on the three of them. There was nothing more to say. At that point, Greg's brother had gotten up and left the room, returning quickly with a small box. It was his wooden treasure box, identical to Greg's, though with more substantial contents. Inside was money from birthdays, recycling Coke bottles, washing cars, and mowing lawns, almost $14. Greg stared with a lump in his throat as his brother pushed the box across the table to their mom whose eyes had begun to well up. That was when Greg got up and left for his bedroom. He stood there and stood there and stood there. It remains, he says, one of the greatest choice points of his life. A moment of calculating not what was in his box, but what was in his heart. He tried. He really tried to summon his brother's generosity. But trapped in fear, he could not. That's all he remembers, except that first, no one berated him or ever spoke of it again. No one even knew he deliberated over his money. And second, that he couldn't bring himself to return to the kitchen. He wanted to follow his brother's generous example, but he couldn't. And believing that he had no place at the table without his box, he stayed in his room alone. When his brother gave their mother his money, Greg Ward says, I could tell that she wanted very much to tell him to keep it, that she wanted to say that we didn't need it that badly. She could not. And the deeper truth is that $14 probably made less of a difference to that family's financial security than the difference it made to his brother. My brother, says Greg, was giving all his money because he loved us, because he wanted to feel part of something that he knew deep down was about love. And my mom let him because she knew he wanted to know he was worth more than $14. What it bought was priceless. And here comes the truly devastating conclusion. 
That day, says Craig, pushed me into a lifelong spiritual deliberation. On that day when I couldn't get myself back to the table, I entered a time of self-imposed spiritual exile. To this day, I can't remember what I did with my $5. But I spent years wishing for the chance to go back and change that decision. The price I paid, years of doubting my sense of belonging, questioning my contributions to love and justice, searching for my self-worth, could have been covered by a small down payment early on, though it would have cost me everything I had. It would have been the best $5 I ever spent. Being ungenerous literally changed the trajectory of his life. And it's so important to say that it wasn't about the money. It was about stepping up to claim his place as a contributing member of his family in understanding that his value was in his presence. I think of little Greg when I weigh my own financial gifts. My goal is to keep making those down payments so I won't live with the shame and regret that comes with not being true to those I love, even when I don't know them. I am inspired on a daily basis by acts of generosity, large and small, that set an example of the ways each of us can make a difference. These days, you do not have to listen hard to the news coming out of Ukraine to hear them. This one is from much closer to home, just across the river in Cambridge, touching those who are running for their lives. On February 28th, Avi Schiffman, a computer prodigy in his first year at Harvard, was finally almost ready for bed. Earlier in the evening, he had attended a protest against Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and he couldn't stop thinking of the thousands, now millions, of refugees fleeing their motherland. At 1.54 in the morning, he tweeted, a cool idea would be to set up a website to match Ukrainian refugees to hosts in neighboring countries. People tweeted back, wow, what a great idea, Avi, you should do this. And Avi says, I was like, huh, maybe I should do this. At a more reasonable hour that morning, he reached out to his classmate and fellow coding expert, Marco Burstein. We started talking about the idea, says Marco, and my response was, I'm in. For three days, these two 18-year-olds worked on it nonstop. We basically didn't sleep. On March 2nd, the pair launched Ukraine Take Shelter, a website where refugees can find hosts, many accepting family pets. We have everything from an extra couch to a spacious barn that could hold three families to an entire university with empty dorms, says Avi. Anything 
Really? Most are in European countries, but listings span the globe. From Sweden to Seattle, it's like a slimmed-down version of Airbnb, he continues, focused on Ukrainian refugees. As of March 18th, there were more than 25,000 active host listings on the website. Volunteers have translated it into over a dozen languages. It's incredible, says Marco, to see how many people are willing to help. People from all over the world, every walk of life, are trying to help. Here's one listing. Accommodation in rural farmhouse. Mesa, Corrèze, France. Peaceful but isolated rural location in Hamlet, eight kilometers from small town with shopping facilities. English, French, and German spoken. Two guest bedrooms, one with a double bed, one with twin beds, one private WC and bath. Access to owner's kitchen, garden, etc. Pets possible, if not a problem, with resident dog, cats, chickens, etc. Long-term offering. According to the BBC, a family of six was hiding out in their Kharkiv basement while the city was under attack. They used Ukraine Take Shelter to connect with a British woman who raised the funds to fly them to her country home in France after they escaped to Hungary. Marco continues seeing how it's helped so many people and receiving messages from hosts and refugees has been incredible. Avi is taking the semester off to devote his time to the website. The two friends are now working to expand their reach by developing partnerships with aid organizations to help provide food, transportation, and jobs. We've seen how people from all over the world Every walk of life are trying to help, Marco says. And that's a source of great hope and inspiration for us. Avi Schiffman and Marco Burstein, grateful for the roof over their heads, longing for that for everyone, giving themselves to this extraordinary mission right from the heart and making a huge difference, reminding us of the saving power of giving thanks and giving back. Beloved spiritual companions, the worst karma is to be ungrateful. That child was wearing a hat. The spiritual practice is gratitude, gratitude, no matter what. And from gratitude, generosity. May we too say, I'm in. May we get ourselves back to the table with what we have to give, engaging the saving power of giving thanks and giving back, deeply assured that what we bring is priceless deeply assured that we are part of something that is about love. Amen.
And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart and namaste. I bow to the divine in you. The spiritual practice is gratitude, no matter what. And from gratitude, generosity. May we too say, I'm in. May we get ourselves back to the table with what we have to give, engaging the saving power of giving thanks and giving back, deeply assured that what we bring is priceless, deeply assured that we are a part of something that is about love. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. boston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.